0: Hello, America, and welcome to the Monday edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News, where today we're going to spend the whole podcast talking to a congressman on the front lines in Congress, uh, Representative Lee Zeldin of the great state of New York. He is joining us. Uh, He's been on the show before. And what we're going to talk about today is really what lies ahead uh, for Congress. What's the dynamic going to be like when there's a Joe Biden in the White House, a 50-50 Split in the Senate, and uh, a less than twelve-member difference between Republicans and Democrats in the House with Democratic leadership, but very narrow. What are the strategies? What are the challenges? What are the opportunities? What 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 legislation might get passed? What things can Republicans do to engage and get things done? What things can they do to block things that they don't want? Uh, That's what we're going to spend the time talking to. Uh, Congressman Zeldin has been. On the front lines, he has a lot of support in the Republican caucus, and uh, he's really dialed into what Kevin McCarthy and and the other leaders of the uh, Republican uh, House uh, minority uh, are doing. And so I think he'll be able to give us a really good perspective. I know many of you have asked, you know, is the world coming to an end? Is uh, Are they going to be able to get statehood for, for uh, Puerto Rico and D.C. and other territories? Are they going to be able to get... The uh, um, growth of uh, the Supreme Court packed the Supreme Court. Are they going to get other policies in or out? And I think getting a firsthand perspective, what I've said on television is based on my experience and also based on well over a hundred interviews in the last you know three to six weeks, um, a lot of the people I'm talking to think the majorities are too slim for Joe Biden to get any of the big wish list items or many of the big wish list items. Uh, of the Democratic uh, Party. So I'm going to be interested to hear what Congressman Zeldin has to say, what um, things he and the Democrats and Republicans in Congress are talking about. I also want to talk about the continued revelations about the lack of security, lack of defensive capabilities that the Capitol Hill police had when they were overrun last Wednesday in that tragic event in the Capitol, the riot, the the um, uh, invasion of the Capitol. Uh, It really exposed, uh, if a ragtag team of of protesters could get in that easy and create a riot and create mayhem, imagine what a well-trained terrorist cell or a much larger operation could have done to the Congress. Um, There is a lot of repercussions ahead for the security apparatus around Washington, specifically the Capitol. This exposed just how bad it was. And now the question becomes, uh, how do we fix it? What needs to be fixed? Who are the perpetrators now? What could perpetrators get next time? Penetration testing is going to be very important. But there was a major flaw in security exposed by this horrific event. And it makes you wonder what a uh, an actor with even worse intentions and more capability than the group of thugs that ran over the Capitol last week, what they could have achieved. And so I want to talk to Congressman Zeldin about what that is, what they can do, what can be achieved, and uh, where we go from here. So we're, uh, we're not going to do a monologue today. We're going to go straight to our interview with Congressman Lee Zeldin. But first, let's hear from our great sponsors, our great advertisers, the people that make this show and JustTheNews.com possible. We'll be right back with our exclusive interview with Congressman Lee Zeldin of the great state of New York. and vegetable or green product. Field of Greens isn't watered down extracts. Field of Greens is an organic superfood. It's whole fruits and vegetables. Each fruit and vegetable was selected by doctors to support vital body functions like heart, liver, kidneys, metabolism, and of course, your immune system. And only Field of Greens is backed by a better health promise. At your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or you're going to get your money back. Don't look back and say, I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. Field of Greens is a key to better health today, right now and when it matters most. Let's get you started with 15% off and free shipping. All you got to do is visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS at checkout. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a very special guest, the great congressman from the state of New York, Lee Zeldin is joining us. Congressman, welcome back to the show.
1: Well, it's always good to be with you, John. Thank you.
0: It's an honor to have you on. It's been a pretty chaotic week, I know, and exhausting week for anyone who worked on or near Capitol Hill. Uh, I just wanted to, we're a couple days after, and sometimes the fog of war clears up. What have we learned about the security state of the Capitol? How, How was it that... A, a, a group of people was able to penetrate so quickly like they did. Uh, what things are we learning about the the security and perimeter of the Capitol that we did not know before this tragic event on Wednesday?
1: The Sergeant Arms resigned. The Capitol Police Chief resigned. Uh, in the days leading up to January 6th, uh, there was a ramp-up of security and putting up security perimeters, and there was planning that was going on. This This wasn't some random day that happened out of the blue where no one expected a heightened threat. So uh, that excuse is gone. Um, And clearly, the the planning that was done was not adequate enough. The security uh, wasn't prepared enough. There's a lot of questions that need to get answered. But I, I don't see how this breach could have even been allowed to happen like this, my background is the military, uh, trained on uh, setting up tactical control points, rules for use of force, rules of engagement, uh, you know, what resources, uh, equipment are available to bring to certain efforts, and, you know, in this particular case, there's, uh, you know, there's a certain point where when uh, people are, are coming towards the Capitol, they cross that threshold you, you elevate to a different posture. There's a different alert. There might be different uh, use of force uh, rules that would apply. Maybe there are there's some manpower that would be kept uh, in reserve that would get deployed. And you're closing and uh, you're securing certain entry points better to the capital. Uh, the communication. I mean, the the, the capital could have went on lockdown uh, a bit sooner. Um, it, there's just so many. Uh, different components to the analysis, including like the, air for- the air force veteran who ends up getting killed. It, you know, why would she get shot and killed at that moment, as opposed to having some other tactic available to de-escalate that particular uh, si- situation? So that you know, that all needs to be investigated, understood, and uh, never allowed to happen again, ever again in the history of, for, for the future of this great country.
0: Yeah, no, that's absolutely uh, one of the most important things that are going to come from this lesson. Uh, I talked to a lot of Metro police uh, over the last few days, and there seems to be some frustration that so many of the perpetrators were just simply allowed to walk out. They weren't put in handcuffs. They weren't arrested. So the business of now tracking them down is uh, going to be a long, cumbersome process. Have we learned anything about um, the people who have been charged and arrested already uh, and who may be charged? Any sense of whether this was an organized attack or just a spontaneously uh, bad decision by people? Do, do we know anything more today about that, um, uh, the planning for this, or whether it was uh, spontaneous?
1: I've been asking questions myself, and quite honestly, John, I, I have questions that need to get answered before I can, yeah, uh, you know, be able to answer that, that one myself. But I'm asking the same. Uh, exact questions on that front. Now with the, the Capitol police officer uh, who died, that yeah, become, so tragic. Uh, a, a murder uh, in investigation. Now, uh, and once again, even asking about the people who leave the Capitol, this all comes down to the planning that for uh, how to respond to a situation like right. this. And, and I love our Capitol police officers. And I remember what happened. Uh, on the, the practice field for the Republicans uh, with the baseball team and that shooting. I mean, th- that was heroism. And I saw one of them, uh, you know, who is uh, it, who, the, the hero from that incident. He's still serving. I saw him on the house floor this week. Uh, th- they do an amazing job. How do you not as part as the, you know, the overall uh, entity and the training and the preparation, not know how, to respond for a contingency of a whole bunch of people storming the capital and then what i would say to you know to answer your point about people leaving is part of that contingency is okay we're going to want to regain control of the capital as quickly as we can how are we going to do it we're going to do that by getting people out of the capital i i get that i get the the call that would be made to get people out of the Capitol. Right. But getting people outside of the door doesn't mean that they're now, you know, free to go, you know, out onto the street to and figure you know, out right. track them down. You know, so what I would say from that standpoint is you get them out of the Capitol in a you know a, a, a you set up a pen pens secure uh, area where you can conduct questioning, you can get witness statements. You don't just have everyone go out the front door, because by the way, you're, you're going to have people who ended up inside of the Capitol who went in there spontaneously and you, they, I, I mean, I've heard them speak. I mean, I was on the, at the airport uh, yesterday on my way back to New York. Right. And I heard someone sitting close by who was inside of the Capitol, you know, talking about how, you know, he was convinced that this one cameraman who was, on uh you know on this one area where he was had to have been antifa and he's going on and on with right. like you know incredible detail yeah, right well like what why wasn't that person Interviewed. asked for information so and, and that applies to you know a- anyone who saw anything
0: yeah uh there's a real uh there's a real concern that um, uh, operationally uh, almost all the things that we should know. And listen, this wasn't a particularly well-armed or uh, 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 violent uh, in the sense of having uh, armaments and things. If, if, a, if a terrorist or others had come through, they could have run through that place quickly. We, we could have had a really extraordinary tragedy. It's, it's definitely got to be a learning point and an inflection point. Um, I wanted to ask you because you've you've spent a lot of time um, really developing what I would call the modern day um, uh, policies and and, and priorities of the um, conservative movement. And obviously the Trump era brought in a whole different opportunity in terms of voters and policies. And and where does the conservative movement now that it's lost the Senate, it looks like uh, lost the presidency. Where does it go to pick itself up? How does it get back on its feet? How does it begin uh, to you know, get right back in and compete and, and, and have its voice heard and its policies enacted?
1: Instantly, uh, there's going to be a ton of clarity on this because of the, the policy agenda of the other side. We'll see it in executive orders that will come out of the new administration instantly. You'll see it out of uh, the, the confirmation uh, process and debate. And if you're, if you're the Secretary of State National Security Advisor trying to beg your way back into the Iran nuclear deal, as is without asking for any con- new concessions uh, you know, from Iran or dealing with sunset provisions, you know, if, if th- that, it's the standpoint of talking about foreign policy, you see it there. You might see it with regards to going in a different direction with the way the United States approaches uh, Israel and uh, the Palestinian Authority Great point. Uh, here, closer to home with domestic agenda, uh, whether it's legislation that's being advanced uh, on, you know, the Green New Deal or more of a Medicare for all or expanding uh, some other way. Uh, there's going to be instant clarity in the weeks ahead as to exactly why it is so incredibly important for all of us to uh, be on our our toes and you know and not not cower not not be silent not sit back don't just let the democrats pass whatever they want we're gonna have to hold them accountable and fight for what we believe in on the domestic front and on the foreign policy front but the dems are going to give us that clarity for anyone who needs it right away
0: That's a great point. And um, the margins, I think a lot of Americans are used to a transition of power where the margins in the Senate and the House are much larger. They are razor thin in both places. So it is possible for Republicans to work with conservative Democrats and to Get coalitions built to get certain things done, right your guys aren't powerless. it isn't like you there's a 50 seat difference in the house or uh, a, a six seat uh, difference in the in the Senate. Does that help in some way, and are there those sort of coalitions and bridges being built right now
1: a hundred percent if you're trying to get to a majority vote in the House of Representatives and you only need ten members. To see the light of day on the Democratic side on a particular issue, uh, regardless of whatever that calculation is, maybe it's in—it's a an ideological one. It's philosophical, it's, it's philosophical, thought out, principled. Maybe it's a political calculation that they're making. Wh- whatever it is, it's not that hard. If, at the end of the day, and we'll see what happens with the brandisi Tenney race, if you have 222 Democrats and two thirteen Republicans or you we know, whatever that final tally ends right. up, up being when everything's all settled out um, you know, and by the way its me even less when Cedric Richmond goes to the administration and Deborah right. Holland was appointed and Martha Marsha fudge was appointed so then you'll need special elections um, you know we're going to have an ability to better fight some of their worst ideas because the margins are as small as they are. You know, good luck getting the green new deal passed in the Senate where, uh, you know, the, Kamala Harris is, you know, some tie breaking vote and you're relying on, you know, Joe Manchin of West Virginia in order to get your green new deal passed. You know, good luck you're know, battling your war on coal. Uh, it, you know, it, when, when the margin is that slim, you know, and, and vice versa um, on, on other issues. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's it's gonna be very hard for them to go at it alone, and we'll see what uh, the Senate does as far as the rules that require 60 votes in order to move these bills right. across the finish line. See what kind of rules they may change, but you know, who knows? Maybe you know Senator Schumer decides strategically that keeping the 60-vote threshold uh, on something is helpful to him. It gives him an excuse because if he changes it, then he's got to deliver the votes to actually get something done. He can actually sit back on a particular rule that's been around for several decades. Right. But you know, we'll we'll have to see. You know, it, you know, maybe it's different with regards to packing the court than it is on an appropriations bill. We just right. don't know yet.
0: Yeah. No. I think a lot has to be sorted out in the next few weeks, and of course the. The two senators from Georgia aren't even sworn in yet, so it's <laughs> there's two people calling themselves leader right now in the Senate, and that's understandable the way the dynamic is. But it, it, you're right; it'll fall into place, and then your strategy, I guess, gets more clear um, when you look at uh, the dynamic. There is an incredibly restless, vocal uh, group on the left, you know, personified by. Um, AOC and the squad uh, that are expecting big things because they have all three chambers. But the truth of the matter is uh, they could become very upset and angry quickly that Biden and Schumer and Pelosi, because of the votes, can't deliver on much of that. How does that play into the Republicans' hands in terms of um, sort of a, it may be that Joe Biden has to wear his uh, breastplate backwards most days, right? Because the incoming fire may be more from behind him than even in front of him. Uh, do Republicans see that dynamic lining up already?
1: Oh, th- there's a 100 percent chance of that. Uh, it, the the squad has outsized influence and power inside of their chamber, inside of their party. Uh, they they absolutely have very real, uh, very real influence and power, and ability to uh, change trajectories on, on key items. With that being said, there are a whole lot of other members of the house of representatives who are pissed off that, that they would see, uh, you know, the party being led by what they would view as the furthest fringe of the party. Uh, you know, a, a new school trying to push out the old school, uh, Far left trying to push out any type of uh, spirit of uh, of being moderate or or bipartisanship. You know there there are people uh, there are people on the right I've encountered. With, if you use the term bipartisan in front of them, they will they will flip out. They are triggered. They are. You would even contemplate the idea of even saying that word. Compromise well, you know is a sin. <laughs> yeah, you know what? That same thing exists on the left as well. And so you have a whole lot of members of the House who they're actually there to get stuff done. They, like, they ran for office because they want to make a difference. Yeah. But you know, it's a different approach than other members who you can't even say the word bipartisan like it's a four-letter word.
0: It's unbelievable. You're right. I've watched it, and I'm hearing so many rumblings. I've got some good sources on the Democratic side, and that's what they're most scared about. That Biden, who you know has a history of making deals in the Senate, and who, quite frankly, until this past election, was probably more of a mid Atlantic centrist than he was uh, a, a representative of the far left, is probably not ready for what's going to come behind his <laughs> behind enemy lines. I mean, on his side of the 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 equation. I think that's going to be the thing to, to watch early. When you look out right now, um, are there any priorities policy-wise that Republicans have, whether it's related to the pandemic, related to election law, uh, related to the deficit uh, infrastructure? I know Republicans have tried for many years to get infrastructure to kind of improve our crumbling system. Where do you think Republicans will will put some of their emphasis on, In the uh, given that there's such slim margins, they can have an impact in po- pushing agenda items?
1: Yeah, now a lot of the agenda of what comes to the floor to get voted on, what a committee chair will be bringing up to move out uh, to a floor, what will come up in a address by a president in front of a joint session of Congress. There's a lot that is out of your control if you are, uh, let's say, the minority in the House or the minority in the Senate or you're not the party that's in uh, the White House. It's just it's a different... Uh, approach different strategy, but uh, like one of the examples. And you know, earlier on, I was talking about foreign policy. I mentioned Iran nuclear deal. I was talking. I mentioned a Green New Deal or expanding Obamacare. But you you just mentioned election law. Now, with everything that got lost this week, is the reality that what we experienced in 2020 is that in battleground states, especially that's where it had the biggest impact. Right non-state legislative actors yeah. were going around this set established state election law and they were coming up with their own rules it was an elections official at a county or a state, it was a state secretary of state it might have been a court
0: right. a commission in obtained... Wisconsin, an unelected commission yeah. was in Wisconsin, it's crazy
1: and they never obtained the approvals from the state legislature which is required under the constitution yeah. Uh, so that issue is something that we, we absolutely must, that wasn't about January 6th. That wasn't just about November 3rd uh, or anything that has happened in between in the timeline. Um, we, we have to lean into, uh, this issue. State legislators need to have a backbone and, and use the power that they have and don't just give it away to, to others. And then additionally, you know, one person reached out to me yesterday, and like, "Well, you know, is it a time then to just you know, federalize elections, and be, you know, and then we can have voter ID?" and and you know, he's sharing these points, and I said that the issue is like if you look right now, especially at the alignment of power, is that if if you are successful in getting elections to be nationalized right now. The, the way that it would get nationalized is not the way that you have in mind. The way it will end up getting nationalized, we saw it get passed twice by House Democrats in yeah. their quote-unquote Heroes Act of a nationwide legalization of ballot harvesting, a nationwide ban on voter ID. Uh, so we absolutely must lean into this issue. Don't get bullied by the left into not talking about election laws at all, because if you talk about election laws, if you talk about election integrity, then all of a sudden you are you know, a traitor and a seditionist. Don't fall for that.
0: Yeah, no, the Constitution is clear. And it's funny, in five of the six states where most of the most magnanimous changes occurred, where the mobile ballot boxes came, and where the essentially the uh, mail harvesting, you know, for at least in quote marks, occurred, uh, they, they were all Republican-led legislatures: Wisconsin, Michigan, Georgia, Arizona, uh, Pennsylvania. Will Will your colleagues in Congress could they go back and help these state legislators assert their authority, give them moral support, give them advice to try to? Get these rules back in line, and get the rules of the next election back in line. Is that something that could happen? A coalition between the congressional Republicans and the state legislative Republicans?
1: It's essential, and you have to bring timely lawsuits, and you have to have standing, and you have to uh, have your your suits brought up. Um, you know, it has to be well written, and it has to be well defended by. You know, some great attorney or attorneys uh, on your behalf, right? Uh, in courts, and it has to be done uh, early. You you can't even give the ability to a court after an election to claim that it was untimely that you you know it, it that you shouldn't have you shouldn't be bringing this after the election. You should have brought it before the election. You know what we did experience in some cases. They said this isn't yet ripe before the election. It's not yet ripe, and then after the election they'll say, well, it's too late. But if you don't bring your issue up before the election, you're giving the court you are the excuse. You are like not we saw to in intervene. Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah, and then you know, like I have a problem with democracy in the Park uh, event that took place in Wisconsin. Over seventeen thousand ballots that got uh, tra- handed over that that shouldn't have been, and the Wisconsin Supreme Court in their four three decision, where one, uh, I think, it was a Scott Walker appointed judge, went with the Democratic bloc. On, on that one piece, they didn't rule on the merits because, you know, we all know that on the merits what happened was wrong. The Wisconsin Supreme Court said that it was brought too late. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. You know, and, and if you see some county that is going around your established voter ID law and signature verification law, and then they get reprimanded by a judge and they're going to do it anyway, you don't just sit back and even if you have your own race that's going on it, you know, in your home state, um if if this is happening uh you know yeah. to you, this isn't about you know your own personal calculation to get reelected this is it's so much bigger than you, it's bigger than the year, and this conversation that you and I are having at this moment this isn't about Donald trump nope. it's not about the twenty twenty election nope. it is so much bigger than that it's about our republic yeah. and our state legislators, if they just want to keep handing over power, then some county. Elections official is going to do whatever the heck they want, knowing that the that the court system is you know isn't going to do anything because it's either too early or too late. Um, You know, some secretary of state isn't going to do the right thing, and after the fact, you know, in order to protect the legitimacy uh, and trust in the process, you're not going to at the end of the at the end of the day have you know all sorts of people in government. Um, You know, questioning the results. That's not the way that, you know, things that, you know, that's not what we're used to. This is uh, this was new after the 2020 election. That's right. Where where people were asking these particular questions and it's, you know, it's uncomfortable and some people just didn't want to have the talk. It all comes down to the state legislatures sticking up for themselves and using their constitutional powers.
0: Yeah, that's going to be such an important dynamic to watch. I, I just wrote a column on it and I'm, I'm going to be monitoring it all through the uh, the year because uh, 2022 has to be a different type of election if Americans are going to trust their system going forward than the one that occurred in 2020. Last question for you because I know you're busy and you got to get going, but um, Donald Trump has about 10 days, a, week, a little over a week beyond keeping the temperature low and, and uh, facilitating an orderly transition. Is there anything you'd like to see the president do in his final days, declassification, executive orders, outreach? What, what could the president do in these last 10 days to make a difference on behalf of his party, his followers, and the country?
1: Well, I, I would, I, I would talk about all of the good stuff that, have that has been accomplished and that he's working on. Don't, don't wait for uh, you know, either the next administration or you know, the, the the media at large um, and all the presidential historians, you know, everyone who's out there, um, you know, to, to just tell the story for you. And and with that, you know certain items um, are are done and in the past the victory has been achieved. Uh, and others, um, you know, there might be there might be ways through uh, agencies, uh, through um, your acts of of the White House, where you're able to continue to push your agenda publicly. Um, but you know, as 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 far as the overall strategy, you know, th- this is uh, this is a moment in time where you don't want to be like don't be like the end of the obama administration you know where where you're um you're just trying to do you know, absolutely everything uh in, in your power like you know joe biden uh right now would be sitting in the oval office talking about the logan act against uh michael flynn um you you would you brought up declassification with regards to uh the trump russia in, investigation uh and and far more bring bring to light as much information as possible because the next administration is not going to do that for you either uh and that's a power that is going to get handed over uh when you get to a new inauguration that's day right. for the presidency so yep. you know from from that standpoint uh you know that's a conversation to have with with some of your agencies i would also you know through uh you know the intelligence community where appropriate You don't have to give away sources and methods, but I think we need to, uh, you know, learn more publicly, even more publicly, um, about the threat that's posed from China. Yeah. Um, Don't, don't wait. Don't wait for the handoff for the next administration, you know, to be shooting straight with full accountability, whether it's, uh, you know, coronavirus or cyber or so much more. Uh, and it applies to other countries, uh, as well. And, um, you know that you can make the most of every minute of of every single day uh don't don't waste it and uh yeah and and i don't lose an opportunity to talk about the progress that's been made and and that would be my reminder uh, at the beginning of the day and the end of the day is that there's a lot of good stuff to talk about and even a few items that can make even more progress on if you're upset about what has happened with the the trump Russia collusion conspiracy and investigations will bring more uh, information to light. You're upset about what happened with the, um, you know, with the Hunter Biden uh, case and the way they got buried. Maybe there's more to be said about, you know, big tech, or maybe there's an act that is appropriate that should be taken by the justice uh, department, but, and do everything based on the merits. And on everything we just discussed, uh, they have a high road to own and to make progress on at the same time. It, this isn't, you know, this isn't based off of this isn't like some Joe Biden random, uh, you know, Logan Act reference on Michael Flynn. Uh, they can just rest on on facts and, and merit-based arguments to make the most of these final days.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely true. It sounds like great advice. Uh, there's, as you said, every minute can still make a difference until the moment you hand over power. And it seems like there are some great opportunities, some documents that haven't been declassified. You're right. We don't know. We've been waiting for the post-election foreign interference report. They missed the deadline, obviously. Uh, there's a lot of things that could potentially occur next week that would be valuable. Congressman, I can't thank you much. We love having you on the show. Our, Our listeners love you. And, uh, we want to wish you a happy new year and a happy start to the new, new congressional season. But thank you so much for what you do and for spending so much time with us today.
1: Of course. Thanks, John. Take care.
0: All right, folks, we're going to go to a commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to wrap things up for the day. Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? Minimum $10 per order. Excludes
1: restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret?
0: We're back for the day, getting ready to close things up. Um, pretty much wraps up our uh, podcast today. A lot of food for thought from Congressman Zeldin, a lot of um, ideas on the table for how Republicans are gonna engage, disengage on various issues, how they plan to play the role of the opposition, uh, but also the uh, role of opportunists when there are things that need to get done, like infrastructure. Uh, and I think the most important dynamic I heard from from the Congressman, and it's something I've heard from Democrats and Republicans alike at the present time, is that the um, uh, biggest challenge Joe Biden is facing is not going to be from his Republican antagonists or the Republican opposition. It's likely to be behind his own lines when he turns around and the liberal wing of the party is frustrated that their wish list can't be executed Because the margins in the U.S. government, particularly in the House and the Senate, are so small, there isn't bipartisan consensus to get certain wish items through because they don't represent the mainstream of America. That is going to be a dynamic worth watching. It's something I've been talking about on television, but it's very good when you hear someone on the front lines who understands the dynamic, is engaging and talking with their Democrats and their Republican colleagues to, to say the same thing. It's rather affirming. So keep an eye on that. I think it's going to be darn interesting. All right. Have a good evening with your family and friends and your loved ones. May God bless you. May God bless America. We'll, we'll be back on tomorrow, Tuesday, to uh, bring you more news, more interview, interviews, more insights, much to talk about in the days ahead. All right, folks, that wraps it up. Check us out at justthenews.com. And until then, we'll be back tomorrow. I'm John Solomon.